Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of All My Movies. I'm your host, Dan Merle. Thank you so much for listening to us if you're listening to the podcast version. If you want to see the video version, check us out over on the Schmodown Entertainment Network on YouTube. And if you're watching us on SEN, please consider subscribing and downloading the audio version at Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to get your podcasts. But however you're joining us, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we have a kind of a special episode, uh, a first in the young life of All My Movies, All of the previous episodes have been movies that I know, that I love, or that I love talking about in the case of Jaws the Revenge, things that I'm very familiar with. This week we have something a little bit different. This week we're talking about Your Name, which is a massively popular film from Japan directed by Makoto Shinkai. This is a movie that I have heard so much about, and I've been trying to get into anime uh, for a while, but even this year, as I launched my YouTube channel, I was doing some stuff about Studio Ghibli and getting into the works of Miyazaki. And and outside of that, Your Name was the movie that kept on being recommended to me if I wanted to get into anime. So I've been curious about this film for quite a while. I had a chance to pick it up for a pretty good deal not too long ago, and so I did. But I never watched it until I talked to my guest today, Tony Revolori, who is a great guy and somebody that I've been so fortunate to get to know over the last few years. I emailed him and asked him if he wanted to be on the show and just kind of said, well, what movie would you want to talk about if you could talk about any movie? And he said, Your Name. 100%, that's the movie I want to talk about. Your Name is a really interesting film, and I think it gets even more interesting if you look a little bit into the life of the director, Makoto Shinkai, and his motivations behind making the film. He's a fantastic animator who was growing up at the same time that Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli were becoming household names in Japan. Of course, it would be many more years before it would catch on here in the United States. And you can tell how much he reveres the works of Miyazaki, uh, both through his actual work and the way that he talks about the director. Uh, I was reading a a few different articles, what I could find about him, and there was one where uh, somebody asked him, you know, oh, you're you're, you're labeled as the new Miyazaki. What do you think about this? And he said, well, I would never want Hayao Miyazaki to see one of my films because I think that all he could see is what's wrong with it. And I think that that is really indicative of the kind of reverence that he has uh, for this master of his craft. But like Miyazaki, when you dig down deeper into the movies that Makoto Shinkai makes, you can see how deeply personal these films are. And Your Name is personal to the director in a lot of different ways. He grew up in the Nagano Prefecture, which is very close to one of the two main settings of this film. And the movie has its roots in the real-life Japanese earthquake and resulting tsunami of 2011. Makoto Shinkai visited one of the affected towns and looked around and saw the devastation and thought, this could be my town. This could be the place that I came from. And, And really, that laid down the roots of one of the major plot twists in your name. Additionally, when you look at the conflicts of the main female character of the film, Mitsuha, she's a young girl, she dreams of big city life, but she also lives in a very traditional uh, village where there are customs and things that have to be done that that her classmates make fun of her uh, for, for, for participating in. But she has a grandmother who instills this, this very deep-rooted reverence for tradition and ancestry and history. This is also something that Makoto Shinkai uh, was familiar with. He is from an area that's very close to the where he depicted Mitsuha's village. So, so much personal that went into the story in the part of the director. And that's what I have found 
with the anime films that I've seen so far. And, and, and I didn't really get that far. I was doing a series of videos for them on my YouTube channel and, and you know, life happens and, and you kind of have to chase what's working. And so I left that by the wayside a little bit, but what I loved about the movies that I've seen so far is it's not just about the beautiful animation, but it's the fact that you can feel the heart and souls uh, of the creators of the, each film. Uh, and, and and this is no different. You can feel the passion and the love uh, that goes into this movie. And it's not just because the characters are feeling those feelings. It's in the way that they're so lovingly written and depicted. Uh, you can sense that there's something very personal about this movie uh, in a way that the movie doesn't overtly explain. And if I didn't know, and I didn't when I watched the film, what Makoto Shinkai's background was, I didn't necessarily know how or why this film felt so personal, but I understood that it did feel so personal. And that's the same feeling I've gotten from so many of the great anime films that I've watched so far. And it's why I'm anxious to get even further into them. Even if I'm not doing videos or podcasts about uh, these films, uh, it is a feel that is unlike anything else in Western Western animation, for sure, but even in a lot of Western filmmaking. This, this idea of creating uh, what should be this, this incredibly far-fetched spiritual world, whether it's Castle in the Sky or My Neighbor Totoro or this movie, uh, but it is rooted in something so deep and personal that that translates so well uh, into the finished product. Now, if you, like me, are not really familiar with your name, then I'll go into it a little bit, but I must give you a warning that I think a lot of the magic of this movie lies in not knowing what is going to happen next. And I certainly did not know. I, I knew that this is a very popular film, and I knew many people that had told me to watch it, but I didn't, I think, intentionally seek out a lot of the plot details. So I'm not going to go specifically into what happens uh, in, in a very spoiler way, in case you want to listen to the rest of the show uh, and then watch the movie afterward. And in my interview with Tony, we refer obliquely to some things that happen, uh, but hopefully that doesn't spoil exactly what's going on in the plot. It is a really great conversation, and we kind of dive deep into why this movie works so well. Your Name is mostly about two teenagers, uh, a young boy named Taki and a young girl named Mitsuha, who find themselves inexplicably switching bodies. And one of the thing, things I like about this movie is that there isn't a long and protracted setup to what's going on. It's pretty much happening as we start the film, and then we're catching up to the situation as the characters are discovering it. And I think that that's a great storytelling thing because if you're doing 10 minutes of introducing the characters separately and apart and then introducing the fact that they're switching bodies, you're wasting time really in the setup that's not needed. And I think it's very efficient storytelling, particularly because this is not really the main conflict of the movie. It's the setup to how these characters are going to connect and touch each other's lives uh, into the second and the third act. Uh, but there is a lot of comedy to be had about these two Basically, every other day, uh, they, they think that they're dreaming. Uh, and so, you know, at first, they're just kind of loosey-goosey. Oh, isn't this weird? But then they realize that the other one is affecting their lives. So Taki comes back and says, finds something that Mitsuha said or did. Or Mitsuha comes back and finds something that Taki said or did while in her body or while she's in his body. And they begin communicating back and forth. And there's a lot of great interplay and a lot of 
great comedy there. You think you have a handle on it. It's this kind of teenage comedy and uh, they're setting up a romance with Taki and Mitsuha's helping him to, to set things up with this girl, but the girl's kind of figuring out that something is going on. And you really do think like, okay, we're just going to kind of follow this storyline uh, throughout the rest of the film. And it's a cute storyline. But then the movie takes a turn, and I don't want to get too specific, but I will say you find out in a much broader sense uh, why these two have been connected and what the real effect that they can have on each other is. And it involves Mitsuha's village and what Taki can do to help right something that went catastrophically wrong in the past. And so the second half of the film, even though Taki and Mitsuha are out of touch for a large portion of it, is about their connection and what can be done. And we go almost into a science fiction element. Uh, and I think, again, this is why it's so smart for them to have structured the way the movie the way that they did, because the idea that you're switching consciousnesses with somebody else is already a note that you're in something of a fantastical world, and you may, might not know exactly what kind. But when you introduce the idea of actions communicating back and forth through this invisible barrier that they're trying to figure out, then you've already been lulled into, number one, knowing that these two have a very deep connection with each other, and number two, uh, you buy it. You buy it because you've already been introduced to elements in the story that are mystical in nature, that are just unexplained and and just sort of happen. There is a, a scene at about the halfway point or maybe a little bit after where you do finally um, bring these two characters together. And it's, and it's not a very long scene, but it's exactly what the movie needs to anchor you. That keeps you going and really boosts you into the second half of the film. And then the end of the movie, uh, again, you kind of go back to the emotionality uh, and the connection between these two characters. And it almost becomes about this dreamlike thing of consciousness and memory uh, and connection and how things persist and, and, and how you can keep these things alive. Fate, so many kind of big picture concepts that are wrapped up into a very simple thing. And so what I came away with when I left your name was a great feeling of who these characters were, a really intriguing uh, concept of this real world Japan, but inside of this very abstract and, and, and almost sci-fi concept. And then the beauty of the film. The animation in this film is at times breathtaking. And like I said, I had seen uh, My Neighbor Totoro and, and Castle in the Sky and, and some of the, the earlier Studio Ghibli films, but I hadn't really seen what a lot of people were doing in the anime uh, medium right now with modern technology, but the fact that you're still using 2D animation. And I have to say, this movie has some gorgeous imagery, uh, some of the most gorgeous animated imagery that I've seen in a really long time. So for me, your name hit, uh, checked a lot of the right boxes, uh, character-wise, story-wise, animation-wise. Uh, I think this is a really strong film, and I can definitely see why it became such a worldwide sensation. As a matter of fact, your name is currently the highest grossing anime film of all time worldwide. It just edges out Miyazaki's Spirited Away over $350 million. And it wasn't just a huge hit in Japan, although it was a massive hit there. It's currently their number four grossing film of all time. It was also a massive hit in China, which has seen uh, finally the introduction of a lot of anime films uh, into the marketplace in the last few years. Uh, it did well for an anime film here uh, in the United States. It really has gotten a hold uh, worldwide in a way that very few anime films have done 
in the past. And I think that's a testament to the strength of that film. Yes, it is a Japanese film. It is set in Japan with Japanese characters from a Japanese studio and a Japanese director, but it has a very human message. And it's one that's obviously translated to many, many countries around the world. As you can tell, I'm very excited about this film, and I'm very excited to talk to my guest this week, Tony Revolori, who you have to thank for getting me to finally sit down and watch your name, and I will talk to Tony right after this. With everything going on right now, of course, health is at the forefront of everyone's mind, myself included, but... It's really hard right now to think about going to a doctor's office, whether you're worried about the safety or the availability of medical care. Thankfully, there's now a practical and affordable way for you to take control of your own health and get personalized care right from your own home. SteadyMD is your personal doctor online, and it is telehealth done right. You start off by taking a quiz to get matched to your primary care physician based on your specific health needs. Then you set a one-hour appointment online with that physician, and after that, your doctor is available to you anytime you need by phone, text, or video chat. Now, unlike some other services, this is not just some random doctor on call that you'll be seeing. Each doctor at SteadyMD has a limited number of patients so that they can give you the time and attention you deserve. I went and took the quiz on SteadyMD, and it really does take just a couple minutes to fill out but the questions are very thorough. They're asking you things like, what kind of diet do you have? Are you keto, paleo, gluten-free, everything like that? Are you experiencing stress, anxiety, depression? Do you want to lose weight? Do you have asthma? All the kinds of things that you would get asked at a normal doctor's office when you're doing your intake, they're asking you on SteadyMD, but it doesn't take 10 minutes to fill out. And what I liked about the result of that questionnaire is when it was done, it showed me a list of different physicians that I could go to and also what they specialize in. So even though SteadyMD already knew exactly what I was looking for from a doctor, they still gave me a lot of different options depending on where I wanted to put my focus right now. And SteadyMD can handle so many different things, whether you want to get healthy, stay healthy, manage chronic conditions that you already have, get help sleeping, help with your anxiety, losing weight. There are so many different things that they can help you with, and it's all personalized to make sure you get the care that you want. All of this is done from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to worry about waiting rooms. You don't have to worry about germs. All of the prescriptions are sent to your local pharmacy. All of your medical records are in one place. And you get unlimited access to your doctor for $99 a month. No additional visit fees or co-pays. Plus, if you already have health insurance, SteadyMD will help you understand your insurance and help you get the most out of it. But if you don't, don't worry. Health insurance is not required to use SteadyMD. SteadyMD is now accepting members of all ages in all 50 states. So go to SteadyMD.com movies where you can take the free quiz and get matched to the doctor that's right for you. SteadyMD.com movies. There is no risk and no long-term commitment. Once again, that's SteadyMD.com movies. And I'd like to thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I am very excited to have my guest on the show this week. He is a person who found his way uh, to me indirectly through Screen Junkies at a press line at Comic-Con. He is a huge movie fan. He has also uh, been in several movies that you've probably seen. Grand Budapest Hotel, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, so many great films. Uh, Tony Revolori, I'm very excited to have you here on the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. When you brought it up, I forgot that I 
was doing some, I think it was at Comic-Con press line or something like that when yeah. I like went to, was it you or was it like Hector? I think it was, I think it was uh, I'm trying to think, I think Hector may have been covering that press line for us. I yeah. It might have been like Hector Navarro that I, I saw and I was like, oh man, I'm a fan. I watch these things. This is, <laughs> this is great. I love this. Um, a little fun moment. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And then, like I said, we had you on the show a few times. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. The way that I do it with some guests is sometimes I'll email somebody with an idea in mind. With you, uh, it was kind of like, hey, I just want to have you on the show. I know you're a movie fan. And this movie, your name, was the first suggestion that came from you <laughs> for what you wanted to talk about. Yes, I, I love this movie um so much i think it's a really amazing smart movie that is interesting and it's got brilliant twists and turns uh that i'm sure we'll talk about later and i also love the idea of introducing japanese animation to people that is outside the scope of spirited away and studio ghibli and and uh Miyazaki himself, of course. Well, it was a successful attempt because, you know, over on my YouTube channel starting this year, I, I, I did a few videos and I, I, I want to pick the series up back, back up again at some point, but about me exploring the world of anime because it's something I knew literally almost nothing about. I knew about all these movies and you mentioned Miyazaki and that, of course, is always what people say if I say I'm getting into anime. People say, oh, you got to watch Studio Ghibli. But the second thing that was always recommended to me was this movie, Your Name. Your Name. And it's a, a, a movie that came out, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago in 2016, but I think came out in the States in 2017. And I actually went to go see it in theaters. Uh, they had a extremely limited run. Um, and I had seen the director's previous, I guess, short film. And it's a movie called Garden of Words, which uh, is rated on a lot of different people's lists uh, as the most stunning, most beautiful animated movie in the world. Um, and I adored that film. And so I had to watch this one and he did not disappoint the director. So have you been into anime and, and, and animation from Japan for a while? Is it something that you picked up more recently? I was always a big uh, anime fan as a kid. I, uh, I, rem I mean, I watched the shows. I didn't really dive deep into the whole thing that every a lot of other people have done. But I, I as a kid, I watched the, you know, Naruto and Bleach and all the other ones that are there, um, Dragon Ball Z. Then I kind of fell in love with the medium once I watched My Neighbor Totoro. And the quietness and stillness that, you know, we, at least me as an American, wasn't introduced to. And then I kind of dived a little bit deeper, watching a lot more Ghibli, um, films like uh, Paprika, Girl Who Leapt Through Time, and a bunch of that, and then made my way to films like this. So I have um, definitely have experience uh, watching anime. It's funny because My Neighbor Totoro was the first movie that I watched for my anime yeah. exploration series. And I love that movie uh, so much for a lot of the same reasons that you just said. The stillness of it, the the beauty of it. It's, like, it's so real, even though it's so unreal. So you you sought out your name in the theaters. Yes, what what is it about this movie that 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 attached you so much to it, you know, right from the very beginning? 
I, I think I was I was maybe 2016. That's four years. I, I must have been 20 when I saw this film. And I think the the not only the beauty of the way he tells his story, uh, uh, Makota, the director, but I think the the wonderment of telling a story like this that we might have seen before in a maybe like Freaky Friday situation, but this kind of dives into a lot of the romance elements and love elements that I personally gravitate towards a lot. And uh, beyond that, just the smart storytelling, smart writing, and um, the the tragedy of it all. It, it felt real because everything needed to be earned with the characters. They couldn't just get the end goal because they were the chosen one. They couldn't fix a problem because they suddenly knew something. They always had to work for it, work for it hard. And it always feels earned and earned. And the sad thing is near the end of the film, you kind of slightly get your happy ending, but almost don't. And that is to me, an expression of art when someone knows how life works you know, there is not a happy ending at every turn, but there could be a happy moment. Well, you talked about, you know, the storytelling and the twists and turns. And I watched it for the first time this morning because <laughs> I've had the movie for a little bit. Even though I'd heard about it, I, I I didn't know really anything about the movie. So, yeah, the first 45 minutes or so, I'm watching it and I'm like, OK, yeah, I think I, I see where this is going. And see they're, they're switching bodies and it's this yeah. kind of coming of age type thing and oh is it gonna get romantic and how are they gonna find each other and then it just drops this for lack of a word this bomb on you (laughs) um and you realize that meteor yeah you realize what kind of story this is and that was it really is a surprising thing like i would never have guessed that's where the movie was going to be headed no no and i i never did i kind of went into it you know, I try to go into films not expecting the best, so that way I can be surprised and enjoy it. You expect it to be this body switch movie. You expect it kind of the fun moments of a, you know, which they give you at the very kind of first 30 minutes. But it's there's more to the story and there's more in depth. And that's what I think sets this movie apart from so many others that have tried to do something similar. And and I've noticed that again through my through my limited exploration of anime, and, and you're certainly far more versed in it than I am. But this seems to be something that you see a lot in the, in the best of of what I've seen, which is that you start off a story in a very simple way. It's a very mm-hmm. simple story, and then you bring in the this this larger focus and this larger scope. And I, I think that really works because you get to know these characters and then instead of trying to establish them inside this huge picture, you get to know them and then you widen the world out and you say like, okay, and this is what the movie now is going to be. Right. What I think uh, uh, benefits this kind of storytelling so much is, is um, what I like to call it, I guess people call it soft world building where they don't need to explain everything to you. Um, in terms of their worlds or anything like that. Um, of course, the, the grandmaster at that is Miyazaki because he blends letting you know as much as you need to know to follow the story with just propelling characters and things like that. Um, and I think that's what this movie does so well is you care for the characters more than you care for the actual plot. And when the plot does rear its head, 
you are still so invested in these characters that you want to see them succeed. You want to see them win, triumph, do whatever it be successful in any way, shape or form. And I think that's why Japanese filmmaking is so kind of beloved everywhere because it is a earning of what you need. When you, when you look at the difference of how movies are made culture to culture, if it were done in America, the movie would be leading up to this moment of them finally meeting. And then there would be the big swell of music and the, and the, and the kiss and the hug. And it would be this huge, ah, sigh of, you know, this, this catharsis. And what I like about this movie is it takes you right up to that point. And then leaves, leaves, leaves you there. And I think that that is so telling. And and I, and I see that in, in other films as well. This idea that it's almost too personal to show that moment in the film. Instead, you take the audience right up to that moment and then allow you to fill that moment in for yourself. Right. And it, it, it you don't have the dissatisfaction of not knowing what happens, but you also have the satisfaction knowing, well, they met or they whatever the resolution is, it's there. We're just not going to see the quote unquote epilogue. And I do, I do, I do agree with you. I never thought about that, but it does feel kind of like an intrusion, um, which I guess that is what uh, Western filmmaking is. It's, you know, it's a completionist thing. You want to know the very end. There's a reason why, you know, all the Nolan files are trying to figure out what happened at the end of Inception while no one here cares whether they got together or didn't, you know, by the end of this film. And it gives them a unique experience because it's an experience unto themselves, right? You, you want the happy ending, you get the happy ending. You want them to meet and then completely forget each other, then that happens too. And I think that's what's beautiful is leaving, it's basically at that point letting you be the, the filmmaker or the creator or whatever it is the person in charge of the story. There's something that I have done in the past and that I try not to do, but that I see people do is when people refer to animation as a genre uh, instead of a medium, because animation is a medium. Um, But I feel even inside of that, when people talk about 2D animation, there's this thought that it's only, you know, 1950s Walt Disney guys hunched over uh, ink and paper, uh, you know, flipping things back and forth. Whereas, and this is the most modern anime film that I've seen. This is 2D animation. There were obviously also computers involved in the making of the film, but it goes to show that 2D animation doesn't necessarily mean it's outdated or obsolete. There's a way to blend the two, you know, and this movie is a, a perfect, beautiful example of that. 2D animation to me, always has a little bit more almost love and care uh, because there is someone's sweat going into this. And and not to say that 3D is uh, uh, doesn't have anyone's sweat because we know sure enough that they're putting a lot of work into it. But I do, I do, I do think that there is something to be said. There's something more visually stimulating to have when you have 2D. Well, there's that beautiful sequence, the the magic hour scene where mm-hmm. they meet they meet each yeah. other in some way, and then the, and again the movie doesn't over explain it. There's something mystical involved, uh, yeah. but the way that that looks like a painting 
um, like 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 a painting would, like a two dimensional painting, and the, the the lighting, the shading, and everything, and yeah. topped off by that like heartbreaking cut of the pen dropping. Um, but that's a, that's a scene that I don't think would play out exactly the same way if it were animated 3D in a computer versus 2D. It, it just has a different aesthetic. Agreed. Um, even even the um, I think they call it a comet, but the comet that goes through. I mean, you could easily animate that and have 3D and CG in there, but it, it, it looks different if you have that. There's something that I always like to ask when, uh, you know, when we're talking about films and, and people's favorites, which is, is there is there a moment? Because, you know, I've just seen it for the first time a few hours ago. So there are many moments in my mind that I'm kind of going through, but you've obviously seen it many more times than I have. Yes. As you've revisited it, is there a moment that you find yourself looking forward to or a moment that has stuck in your mind over time that, you know, if I bring up your name, that's the moment that that flashes into your head? To me, the moment I think I always look forward to. I mean, there's, again, many moments and because I, I just rewatched it again, uh, like you, is the moment where they see themselves on the train uh, near the end of the movie. And it's a simple moment. There's no, I mean, there's beautiful shots in this with beautiful landscapes and this and great moments, but that is just such a simple human moment that to me, that's that's a very special moment to be able to have almost happiness come alongside such a simple moment of, of, of two people seeing each other on a train on different trains as they're about to pass. Because I am a hopeless romantic, and I think the the idea of of that moment happening in real life just excites me beyond anything. So this is a controversial question, and this is one that I have gotten many different answers to. Uh, but you can help contribute to. Right now, it's about fifty fifty, and I think it's more personal preference than anything. Um, when it comes to watching anime. <laughs> Do you prefer the subtitled oh, version okay. or the dubbed version? I knew where the question was coming. Um, give me the subtitles in the original original Japanese language. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot more feeling. Uh, I think there's a lot more intonation that you might be able to feel, even though you don't speak the language just because it's there. And when you translate to English, not saying that they don't do an amazing job because they do, sometimes the director himself doesn't even or doesn't have any process in that translation whatsoever. Some do, some don't, most don't. And to me, that changes what the director might have intended for a specific scene. Um, that's me being a purist and... I totally understand and agree if if you don't want to read subtitles or you're not able to read and watch at the same time, please, you know, watch it in English. It's still good. Uh, whatever, I guess, floats your boat. Yeah, that seems to be what people say is either, um, you know, I think there's some versions that are better than others. Uh, but generally, it tends to be like oh, the recommendation I hear from a lot of people is if you've never seen the movie before, watch it dubbed so that you can appreciate the visual of it and then if you want the deeper experience watch it subtitled so that you can get the original intonation and everything which hey that means you get to watch the movie twice that's true or just learn the language of the movie you're speaking and therefore ta-da no subtitles needed 
That is, uh, that's a great example. Uh, that's a great suggestion. I, I will, I, mean, I will get back to you in five years after I master Japanese, and I'll tell you how that works. Perfect. And then I'm gonna be on this podcast again with some Korean movie, and you'll be like, God damn. Ah, oh, back to back to uh, Rosetta <laughs> Stone. Okay. Um, <laughs> last question. You know this, uh, and I'm very thankful that it did because I'm glad I finally got to watch this movie. Uh, but this conversation with you gave me a reason to to finally watch your name. Yeah. For people that uh, maybe like I was somewhat interested in anime, right. and it's like, oh, maybe someday I'll do it. Um, you know, what would you say to them to maybe push them over the edge to say like, no, really, you should really sit down and watch, you know, not just your name, but other uh, Japanese animation. I would say start out with something that may be inspired by, you know, a lot of the great movies that you are inspired by came from not only anime, but Japanese culture. You might be the uh, um, the fan of the hero academias and, and the popular things that you're seeing on the streets and all these kind of stuff. Or you might be a fan of, you know, again, these Studio Ghibli films, and then you can dive deeper, you know, with, uh, different directors like um, Satoshi Kon, who did Paprika, and um, Tokyo Godfather. So there's many films out there, and, and there's more that I don't even know, and I'm still working my way through. But if you're interested, please just, you know, enjoy. Well, Tony, it's, it's been a while since we got to chat. So uh, even if it's just virtually, uh, it was great talking yeah. to you. Maybe next time you can introduce me to uh, another great movie, and then yeah. we can have uh, another chat. Fantastic. I'm, I'm ready and I'm waiting. Awesome. Tony Revolori, thank you so much for joining me today. Likewise, man. I want to thank Tony for his time and his passion for this movie, which obviously has now transplanted itself onto me. Um, as we always do, this is my copy of Your Name, the one that currently sits uh, on my Blu-ray shelf. Um, it's a great print of the copy. It's a Blu-ray copy, so it's an HD print of the copy. The animation, uh, as I mentioned, uh, absolutely stunning. Uh, I, I would love to see this movie on a big screen someday. The extras uh, are not too bad. I mean, they're, they're somewhat bare bones. You get trailers and a couple of special features, but they're not bad. Really though, the star of the show is the film, and it is a movie that I'm sure is going to be reissued many times over. It's only a few years old. It was released in the United States in 2017. It was released in Japan back in 2016. This is a movie that I think you are going to see much more of over the years, and I'm sure it will be reissued issued many times with many different packages of special features, but for now, I'm very happy to have this movie itself in my collection. And with your name in my collection, that wraps up this week's episode of All My Movies. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Tony Revolori, and I want to thank you for watching and listening. I'll be back next week to talk about another one of my movies, but until then, it's time to go back on the show. See you next time.